You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. It's great to see each one of you. I wanted to share with you something before we start the message that uh, really encouraged me this week. Um, uh, at the end of 2017, one of the things that we did for the first time was take up an offering uh, that we called it our passion offering. And our goal was to give above and beyond everything that we normally do and just give away uh, to others. And so um, just to help and, and see what we could do as a church. And, um, and so we told you about it. And, and honestly, I had, I had set a dream and a goal and just asking the Lord, you know, maybe, maybe everybody would give a total, a total of $10,000. And, you know, it's a brand new little baby church just getting started. And, and let's just dream about that. And I thought that was a pretty amazing goal to dream about. But um, you guys gave three times that amount. And uh, so it's pretty overwhelming and pretty amazing. And yeah, that's cool. Um, and one of the fun things uh, about that is that uh, I've been able to be kind of the recipient that receives some of the messages of gratitude um, from different missionaries around the world and uh, different people. One of the uh, points of passion is the way that I communicated it uh, that we have is to help uh, people here in Kansas City and, and wanting to help specifically single moms um, and single moms that are a part of this church. And so uh, we were able to do that. And I received a text message this week that I just thought I'd share with you. Okay, so this should bring a smile to your face. Hello, I wanted to say thank you so much, all caps, uh, for the financial gift you sent. It was so generous of Radiant Church to help me that way. Quick testimony. I was on my way to Radiant yesterday with my children in the back seat. Uh, I needed new tires really badly, and I almost got in a terrible accident, fishtailing as it sent me all over the road into other lanes. I immediately turned around, not wanting to risk it, and I went home. And because of the check that Radiant sent, I went and got new tires put on my vehicle. The rest is going toward glasses for one of my children. And the rest beyond that is going to my savings account so that one day I can live on my own. Thank you, thank you. I am so blessed to be a part of this awesome family. I pray that God continues to work through all of us and that his glory is seen throughout the world because of Radiant Church. Will you give yourselves a hand? Very cool thing. I just wanna say thank you. And I asked her permission to share that with you because that was a long text. I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and uh, just, just really grateful and just made me really grateful for you. And so um, we are uh, headed into Easter and we have decided to do this series and we're calling it Persevere. And I know it's the week of Thanksgiving and so, oh, Thanksgiving, dear God. Whew, bless the Lord on my soul. It's the, yeah, it's gonna be a good day, everybody. Give me one of those donuts. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's the, I hope we're not. I didn't hear that. It's the week of Valentine's Day, um, and, <laughs> and so uh, Valentine's Day is when I should be preaching on like dating and marriage. But we're talking about suffering and persevering. And so, <laughs> welcome to Radiant, everybody. There's no pink hearts. No little series on Valentine's Day. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> the seven sayings that Jesus said on the cross leading uh, up to his death. And, 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 and really the big idea here is I was, I was meditating on you in your journey. And I really believe that uh, this part of the Christian journey, it's, it's, it's not always the great days. It's not always the fun days. It's not always the days that feel great. Much of the Christian journey has this degree of perseverance. 
And so the framework, kind of the theme text that we're, that we're coming from is Hebrews. I wanna just read it. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, here it is, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So we've got a race to run. Then he says, how? How do we persevere? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. And so I love this idea that Jesus ran his race. And the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, you too ought to persevere. And in the NIV right here, it says, consider him. In the message, I love, it says, study how he did it. And this series is really studying how Jesus persevered. How Jesus on the cross in the midst of torment and pain. And so we're taking the seven phrases because each phrase is like a window into his heart. Each phrase, we can kind of see what our Savior Jesus is like and what he's about and how he persevered. We're studying how he did it. My goal for each one of us is that we would grow in that muscle, that strength to persevere through your hardest days, through your hardest times, like when you suddenly say Thanksgiving instead of Valentine's Day. I mean, that's suffering, everybody. That's embarrassment. But anyway, no, like whatever is your challenge, whatever is the thing that you're going through. And so last week, we talked specifically about the phrase, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's the first phrase that we read. And we find these seven phrases sprinkled across all four gospels. And you gotta go into all four gospels to find all seven. But the second one is the phrase that Jesus says, or the saying that Jesus says on the cross to the thief. And I just want us to read that and read the, we'll read that whole text and I'll pray and we'll dive in. Luke 23, look at this, this is the story. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Father, we love you and we come to you in the powerful name of Jesus and we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that we would see the heart of Jesus here towards this criminal on the cross. We ask, Lord God, that we would grow, that you would expand our love for Jesus and our devotion to Jesus and our commitment to Jesus as we study this. And God, we pray, Lord, that we too would be able to endure, that we too would be able to persevere. Open up our hearts, open up our minds. We honor you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right here in this moment, you have a criminal on a cross, and I want you to picture him just in kind of what he's seeing. Because here is this young rabbi from Galilee who has honestly fed a lot of people. And there's been moments where everybody thought he was the greatest thing ever. And there have been moments where thousands came out to hear him preach and he's healed the sick. And now it's as if they've all turned on him. And so he's suddenly 
going through capital punishment. I mean, he's being crucified on a cross next to this innocent man. But what's interesting is that everybody has turned on Jesus and all of these different people are essentially mocking Jesus. So in hindsight, we know, we read the scriptures, we think 2,000 years later, we hear about a crown of thorns and we kind of romanticize it a little bit and we kind of you know, think it's great and all that. But if you're there in that moment, they're actually mocking him. The formation of the crown of thorns was a form of saying, so you're a king, huh? Well, a king needs a crown. Here, let's put on thorns, which are painful, and push it down so then that now he's bleeding and it's it was a form of mockery. Or when they're saying things like, hey, if you are a king, you know, save yourself. That's, it's, it's mockery. It's, it's the same thing in Luke 22, the chapter before, where they had actually blindfolded Jesus and then struck him and then said, who hit you? It's, it's yeah, you say that you're who you say, the prophet, the king, but you can't even tell who hit you. Ha ha, it's mockery. And you've got all these people, and they're echoing some of those phrases. Hey, if you are who you say you are, ah, uh, and it's, it's, it's this moment then where the first criminal on the cross actually joins in the mockery. And he turns to Jesus, and he says, if you are who you say you are, save yourself and us. And that's the context where you've got this other criminal. And all we have is what we read here, but somehow he's able to take this environment where everybody is mocking Jesus. And Jesus right now wouldn't look like a king. This would be a moment he doesn't know. I mean, we don't have full knowledge of what he knows, but he certainly doesn't know what we know. It certainly looks like he's just being crucified like a criminal. It certainly looks like, hey, his disciples have left him. Certainly seems like, where are the miracles now? And catch this, this thief looks at him, and I believe, kind of stepping out in courage, says this phrase, Jesus, one who saves. Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And you've got a criminal looking at, speaking out, kind of coming against, pivoting where everybody else is mocking. And there's this moment where he says, Jesus, remember me. And it's this form of, in his dying breath, at the very end, this form of stepping out in faith and saying, I I believe. He's just rebuked the other thief. Hey, we're receiving the just punishment from our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. I mean, he shuts him up. And this thief looks at Jesus and it's this form of Jesus. And I love it because you could, there's, it's, it's, it's straight to Jesus. It's, this, you, it's, it's intentional. It's this relationship where he says, remember me. And the, the mind-blowing thing about this phrase that we'll study today is the mercy and the kindness that is too good to be true, but it is true. The, the mercy that blows your mind, the, the loving kindness, the grace that's undeserved. As Jesus, the perfect one who is without sin, looks at the criminal who's dying because of all kinds of sin. 
And he looks at him and this phrase that should baffle us today, that should blow our minds, that potentially could renew our love and devotion towards our savior. When Jesus looks back at him and he says today or truly, one version says assuredly, it's this idea, it's a, it's a promise, it's I'm looking to you. And Jesus looks back at him and he says, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. And I just want you to capture the kind of love, the kind of mercy, and hopefully for you today, for you to grow in what kind of mercy is this after all? Hebrews 4 says, let us approach the throne of grace that we might find mercy. And it's mercy then and it's mercy now, where here is this thief, this criminal, and he in his own righteousness has nothing to bring. I mean, he's just got nothing. And and, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, truly today, I mean, the only thing left for this criminal to do is die. Like he's not jumping off the cross, gonna go feed the poor, commit you know, some holy acts and then die later. Like there, it is just simply all he can do is receive and then breathe his last. That's it, that's what he's got. And sometimes for you and for me, it's easy for us in our 10, 20, 30, 40 year, 50 year journey of following Jesus to forget the good news that never changes. The good news of the grace, the mercy of Jesus that he gave his life for you in your place. And I just want it to be fresh today. I just want you to kind of capture it and fall in love with it and go, it's not about my merit. It's not about what I did. It's not what I could do for you. This is all about what Jesus has done for me and put, your, put yourself in that position. Well, my son, Justice, when he was two years old, uh, I used to always, I don't do this so much anymore because, you know, Renata's turning into a health person, so I can't do it as much. But when the kids were little in Colorado at night, I would sneak ice cream for all of them before they go to bed at night, right? And I would just dish up ice cream for all of them. And so I'd dish it up, give it to Justice, Dawson, Olivia, Adeline. And, and one night I gave it to Justice first, and then I gave everybody their ice cream. And then I made my big bowl of ice cream. And, and, and Justice had finished his chocolate bowl of ice cream about the exact same moment as I had finally gotten everybody their ice cream and I was about to sit down and eat mine. And I'll never forget the moment because at two years old, he looked at me and I had three scoops ready to devour. He had zero and chocolate ice cream all over his face. And he looked at me and he smiled like this and he said, Twade, right? You trade? And I looked at him and I said, no, you crazy. I'm not I smiled and I thought it was the cutest thing ever. And I said, sure, trade, right? And so he gets three more. He's happy, I'm happy, Renata's sad. But <laughs> here's the idea. Sometimes what we do is we think I, I gotta have something to trade of, of fair value. I've got, I, I, gotta, I gotta prove to God and here's the good news, everybody. This is just good news. This is just like the thief. You come to Jesus with your ashes your brokenness. And this is not you going from bad to good. This is you going from dead to alive. 
This is you receive the free gift of what Jesus did for you. And though you may have prayed that prayer a decade ago, may it be fresh today. I love the song that we've been singing that Corey Asbury wrote about this song about how I, I can't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Still you give. Your, and you know, we're talking about his love and it's that. It's just, it's, I, I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And I love this song because it's like every metaphor you can imagine about God's love. There's no wall you wouldn't kick down, no door you wouldn't turn, no mountain you wouldn't climb, no shadow you won't light up. I mean, it's just it's metaphor central, but it's beautiful because here's what it is. It's this phrase. It's, it's, it's too good to be true. It's true. Your mercy, your love. And this picture that we find the second saying of Jesus on the cross where he turns to a man with zero righteousness, no ability to jump off that cross and do anything for God, but he does receive the promise because of what Jesus is right there dying for him and says today. It's that this isn't about you. This isn't about what you can accomplish. This is all about me. And my prayer for you is that that would be fresh, that today, even as we conclude, we're gonna take a moment. We're just gonna say, God, renew that in me. Renew the gratitude in me for what you did for me. I am, I am the criminal that you died for. I am, the, I am the thief. I am the broken one. And here's the second thing I want you to see. I want you to see how, how late it was in the thief's life. Like it was, it, was, it was at the very end. And I just want maybe for someone who's here today, who you're not, you're not following Jesus and it seems like you've got all kinds of pain and, and addictions and, and you're just like, I'm not sure. I'm too messed up. I'm too far gone. I want you to see that Jesus looks at a man who in his closing breaths is repentant. In his closing breaths says verbally, hey, I'm receiving the just punishment from my crime. I am wrong. But Jesus is without sin. He's done nothing wrong. Jesus, I want relationship with you. Remember me. And Jesus looks at him and says, we're going to do life together. You're going to be with me forever. And I want you to have renewed hope today that you can have eternal life, no matter how far, how broken, how addicted, how hurting. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know your story and I don't know that it matters. Here's what matters is this. You have a savior. You have someone Jesus Christ, who has gone to the cross for you. And in addition to that, those of you who are believers, who you've been doing the Jesus thing for a while, I want you to see how late it is in the criminal's life because you're called to be a witness, a minister, someone who talks about what you've seen and you've heard and to talk to other people about Jesus. But you wanna know one of the things we often do in American Christianity? Oftentimes we get we start to pray for some people that we think they might give their lives to Jesus. Maybe God's put that person in my path. But then there's those other people that you're like, there's no chance that person will ever be saved. That person is too far gone. I just want you to remember this story today. And I wanna invite you to ask God to increase your faith for the person that you thought they're too far gone. There's no chance. When I was in high school, I was kind of the, the rah, rah, go for Jesus kind of kid, you know, five foot five, 95 pounds, rah, you know, kind of guy. And I went to a public high school and, and uh, that was kind of my thing. And there was this guy and uh, he was he, like, his idea of a good time was, was, was mocking 
what I was trying to accomplish by seeing people come to know Jesus. And so uh, we were actually friends, but he, and he, his favorite word was the word Satan. I don't know why, but he just said the word Satan all the time. And he'd be like, do you think I am satanic? Do you, do you, and he'd be like, oh, how about you wear the Jesus t-shirt and I'll wear the Satan t-shirt, you know? And I, I was just, I thought he was a little weird, um, a little bit off, uh, but he was like constantly like butting up against me. And, and, and it was like his, one of his favorite things to do was, was to mock me. And so I, you know, went from, I graduated in 1995 and, and never really didn't hear from him again until the invention of social media. And all of a sudden Facebook came around about 2008 he and I became friends on Facebook and to my shock and awe, he had become a Christian. And I was just like, no way. Like unfathomable, you know, like, it's like Princess Bride, inconceivable, you know, like, huh. And not only that, but he was a pastor. I was like, really? Like him? And not only that, but his feed would constantly be like filled up with Bible verses. And I was just like, is this a joke? Like, is this possible? Why? Because I built in my mind, like too far gone. No chance that guy. Here's the reality. Jesus is still in the salvation business, everybody. Jesus is still saving people. And even though we mentally kind of think, uh, I'm moving on, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, God, who you want in part of your kingdom? What, what, what part what am I to play? What do you want me to do? And I want us as a church, you know, it's real easy to come to church and just play church a little bit. But being at Radiant, one of the dreams we have for you is that you would step out of comfort zones and actually ask God, what do you want me to do that might be uncomfortable that will help other people come to know Jesus? God, who? Show me. And I believe there are some people that we think of, it's too late for them. It's just, it's just it's, it's, in your head, you're like that person in the cubicle next to you, that uncle, that cousin, that sibling, no chance. Here's what I want to invite you to do. As you pray, ask the Lord, show me, God, who are you still working on? Who, who could be that person that it was their story that late in life or in the midst of all kinds of pain and catastrophe, Jesus saved them? Third thing I want you to see is this. I want you to picture the crucified criminal next to the crucified king and just the nature of the fact that both of them are in the struggle of dying on a cross. And I think I picture Jesus and I imagine Jesus and he's got the weight of the world on him, literally. He's got sins of humanity, crown of thorns, beaten, whipped, mocked. And I think about the idea that there's this this whisper, this, maybe it's a shout, but it's one person calling out, I mean, the most epic, traumatic, heavy scene in, in world history. And, and here is a guy who's broken and hurting and far gone, calling out to the perfect one and just the sheer weightiness of what Jesus is going through. And if ever there's a moment where you think that you just get to like take on the weight of the world and just 
cry out to God and pray your own prayer and have all these pesky people that keep asking me for stuff to go away, this might be the moment. I mean, Jesus is constantly being asked for things. People are touching him and he's saying, whoa, whoa, who, who touched me? Power went out for me. Who, who touched me? People, hey, will you come heal my daughter? Hey, will you come heal my mom? Hey, will you feed the people? Hey, hey, hey. I mean, that's been his ministry. And here he is. It is the moment that he's, he's actually sweat drops of blood as he was meditating and praying and thinking about this moment. I mean, this is the moment in human history that's weighty and there is a criminal, a guy that whispers, that yells, I don't know, that screams out, that talks to Jesus. He says, hey, remember me. And Jesus is struggling. I mean, Jesus is you know, probably trying to just gasp for breath and he's bleeding. And it just struck me, the idea that there's this, this other guy going through a different level of pain, wasn't going the same level of personal person. Physical pain wasn't going through the level of spiritual pain, but nonetheless was on a cross. And there's Jesus. And the mercy and the kindness of Jesus that doesn't say, what? But turns and yet again has time for one more person. Yet again has the mercy, the love, the gentleness, to respond to yet again, one more repentant heart, one more person that's turning. And Jesus, as he struggles, turns to a fellow struggler. Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. And I was thinking about these ideas, these lessons. Last week, we talked about Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we talked about applying that in our own lives as we try to forgive others. I was thinking about this in your journey, in my journey. I was thinking about you in your struggle and how it could be that there's someone near you, there's people around you that are looking to you in the midst of your pain as you're going through what you've gone through. They're saying, hey, remember me. Hey, hey. And I think sometimes, like as, as a pastor, you know, we've kind of built our whole church around the idea that you've got a call to ministry and let's discover your spiritual gift so that you can make a difference, so that you can be a person that does ministry and, and fulfill what God's got on your life. And I love that idea, but I was thinking this week about the idea. I think sometimes it's easy for us to think ministry is my power alley. Ministry is the area where, man, I'm a success. But, but what would happen if you turned your pain, like the struggle that, you've gone, that you've, you're going through, and you saw a fellow struggler and you pulled them along with you? And so it's not just your success area. Maybe the area of ministry where you could help out a fellow struggler is in the area of your pain. And maybe there's purpose in your pain. And maybe, maybe when you, when you feel like you're so empty and so broken and you're going, you're, you're trying to persevere, that there's this idea that we find that floods the scriptures and we see it in the life of Jesus. Imagine Jesus on the cross, he doesn't have anything left to pour out. I mean, come on, he's been beaten with whips and rods and hit in the face and 
I mean, just the sheer pain. And yet he pours out even more, even when it feels like he's got nothing. Certainly he feels like there's nothing more to give. And I think for us, there's this lesson for us to capture that when, you've, when you feel like you've got nothing, when it feels like it's hard, it's in that moment where if you cannot think about me, but actually pivot and help other people and pull along a fellow struggler that God says, ah, just watch me give you supernatural strength. Watch me jump in and help you. I love the way it says it in Isaiah. Just listen to this, Isaiah 58. And if you spend yourselves, that's a phrase I love, spend yourselves. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday sun. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy you. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garter, like a spring whose waters never fail. Here's the idea. It's this, it's in the midst of you walking through, persevering, you going through hardship. And the, th- the temptation is to think this is all about me and I, I, I've got too much going on and it's too hard. And we see this example in Jesus that just moved me this week as I meditated on it, where Jesus looks to one more and he pulls him along. Jesus looks at one more who's going through the same struggle and he helps them out. And I believe when you feel like, man, I got, I, I'm struggling. I, I, I can't walk in my power alley. I, I, I don't know that I can walk in. The spirit. Maybe, maybe, maybe your great moment of ministry is, is, is to just walk in that, that thing that's so painful and just help one other person that's walking through something that's hard. Maybe, maybe it's to look and maybe you, you've got your cross, but there's another person on the cross and, and, they're, and they're just looking to you just saying, hey, remember me. Just, and just, and you, just, you just pull them along. You just, I'll, I'll give what I can. And maybe, maybe it turned out that the ministry that I hoped that, that I was gonna have, I didn't quite, it didn't quite turn out like I had hoped. And maybe I didn't write the book I wanted to write. And maybe these things, but, but I, I have gone through this area of tragedy. And it's quite possible that the Lord could use my tears and my pain and what I've gone through to help out another. And so you know what? And so here I am, God, I, I, I'll listen for the cries of, of the people around me. And you just watch when you start to use whatever you've gone through, whatever you're walking through. And it's, it's, not, it's not your license to seclude yourself and just have other people pity you. But instead it's, no, I'm gonna use this for the glory of God. I'm gonna use this to help others. And you've got a mindset, this is not about me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be this person that I'm gonna pour myself out. Then God says, man, you'll be like a well-watered guard. I'll satisfy your need and tell you what, when you have nothing left to pour out, you still pour out and God goes and I'll fill your cup. And I'll take care of you and I'll be with you. And that's what we do in ministry. And, and I know, I know it's easy to say, yeah, but I've gone, I, it's, just, it's just too hard. I don't have anything left to pour out. I wanna invite you, take a step. Take a step and watch God use you. No matter what story you're in, no matter where you're at. When I was a, I've told you before, I was a youth pastor for 20 years and and, and, and one of the seasons that I'll never forget was a season where we had an older man in our church came and church was about 12,000 people. So we had hundreds of teenagers. And he said, hey, David, what if you turned these kids into thinking about building orphan homes in Africa? And we took a season of time where all we did was just focus. I mean, the messages every night on Wednesday, night, everything, it was all about let's 
build orphan homes and let's help kids who have no shelter in Africa. And I watched a little miracle take place where kids started to shift from it being about them to it being about others. And when it wasn't about them, they were suddenly getting jobs at Red Robin, not to make extra money, but in order to give. And we said, hey, here's our goals. And they said, we wanna, we wanna accomplish that, those goals. And so, and so it, 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 it was like it, it shifted them completely where it was not about them. And the way that we would say it is it's, it's your destiny being rescued as you rescue someone else's destiny. As you give your life to rescue their destiny, it kind of boomerangs and actually sets you free from living consumed with self. And I just think for us, for you, and I don't belittle what you're walking through. Man, I get it. I know. But it could just be that God wants to use whatever you have walked through. And if you'll just put some legs to it, instead of, well, I I can't quite move forward because I'm too hurting. And just open up your heart. And in the midst of your pain, I just believe there's one, at least one, that's over there just going, hey, hey, remember me. And, and like Jesus, you can bring him along. Like Jesus, you can have the compassion. And it could just be that your ministry might be not leading from that power alley discover your spiritual gift and, but maybe it's like, I'm gonna leave from my pain. And there's purpose in my pain because now I have the ability to help other people that have gone through that same pain. We have a group that's starting this semester that is called a grief group. And I just like, it's a 20 something year old girl that just said, I had a friend that died of cancer and another friend that died of suicide and I've been walking through grief. And the best way that I know how to do ministry right now is to just walk alongside people who are hurting. You see it? It's, well, God, can you make something beautiful out of what seems so painful? I'm gonna help others. And I believe as you do that, you just kind of shift. This is, I'm gonna help another fellow struggler like your savior, it actually helps you persevere in life because it's not about you. Your eyes are on Jesus and you're forgiving your enemies, forgiving those who hurt you. It just kind of rolls off and you're able to keep moving forward. And it's not about me, which is what our culture says to you every day in every commercial. It's not about me. I actually, I'm a servant. I've been transformed and I wanna help others be transformed like I've been. So where are those other people? Just those other strugglers. Let me pull them with me. Let me tell them about what Jesus has done for me. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.